You're listening to Product Manage Her, the podcast dedicated to creating a safe space for women in product management careers. From transitioning into product to a deep dive into the first few months on the job, our hope is to provide an authentic look into product management from a woman's perspective. And I'm your host, Blair Presley. Let's dig in. You've probably heard the term playing small or playing it small or playing yourself down a bit. And that's what I want to talk about today in relation to your product management job pivot. So um, if you haven't heard the term before, you're like, what is she talking about? The phrase playing small um, is something we say when we're engaging in behaviors or mindsets that truly limit our own potential or even our own like ambition, right? So we sometimes put these false, uh, let's say, restrictions on what we can achieve or what is possible for us um, based on, you know, some previously held belief that may not even be true, but that's probably a whole nother podcast episode. Um, but it's this like thing that we do to ourselves that does not serve us. And I see it all the time in product management coaching. In addition to helping people with like resumes and LinkedIn and interview strategies and application strategies, I spend more time helping people through their mindset, which is one of the biggest game changers in a product management career. And honestly, it's probably probably the thing that shocked me most about being a coach. I thought I'd spend all this time helping people navigate like interviews and thank you notes and all right, so here's what you do next. And I do a lot of that to be fair, but I spend a lot of time helping clients decipher between what's true, like what's an actual fact and what they're choosing to believe that is actually not true. Like I'll never be able to get out of healthcare or I'll never really make it, you know, to a certain salary. It's like, who said that? Like, why do we believe that? That's you playing it small. So that's, that's what I mean by, by playing it, uh, by playing it small. This is something I even say to friends when I observe that they're not taking up space or second guessing themselves when they have a really big opportunity and they undercut their value, which we all do. Like, even as I say this, I've, I'm mindful of the times where I've undercut my own value. Right. But in my friend group, we say this as an accountability call, right? And that's the intent of today to challenge you and candidly myself too, on how we might be playing it small. And if so, like, let's cut it out. When you're playing small, you're probably doing something like underestimating your abilities. So you may lack confidence in your skill set or what you know, what your expertise is, and doubt your capacity to take on bigger challenges, um, you know, because of whatever reason, right? You may be likely to settle for less than you should. I'm, I'm mindful of a client I had maybe three years ago who she landed her product manager role and she refused to negotiate. She was just so happy to have the job. She's like, Blair, I know that you offer negotiation. 
um, uh, help, right, as a part of this coaching engagement, but like, I'm good. I'm just so happy I have the role. I cringed, especially as a woman. I'm like, oh no, like we do this to ourselves way too often and you are literally leaving money on the table. A complete sidebar, I did follow up with her maybe a year, year and a half later, and she left that company, gone to another company, actually negotiated and sent me a message on LinkedIn to let me know that she chose not to play it small. So anywho, just to close the door on that one. But that's another example of what that could look like, accepting less than what you absolutely deserve. Living within your your comfort zone instead of exploring what's within your full potential. This may also look like, you know, fearing failure or feeling rejection or fearing rejection. So you avoid certain things because of that fear, because of like criticism or what will others say about me or this judgment that may honestly just be coming from ego, for being honest. Right. So that's what that's what playing it small can look like. And I don't want that for you. I think these are all like micro ways of self-sabotage. These self-defeating negative, this negative self-talk that like unbeknownst to you undermines you, undermines your confidence and prevents you from pursuing the thing that you desire so much. Okay. We know this. We know that this is a barrier to your personal growth, to your professional growth, and it restricts you from fully embracing your abilities, pursuing challenges and opportunities that can make a really big impact towards your goals. Overcoming the tendency to play small involves, I think, building self-belief, embracing this mindset that you're absolutely able to do the thing that you set your mind to. And I know that sounds corny because we've all been told that at some point in our life, but it's it's true. I believe it's true. It's like, how do we model that? What would it look like if we actually showed up as the thing that we imagine when we're being really honest with ourselves, not the smaller version of a bus? Ultimately, I think it's about recognizing and challenging the self-imposed limitations that prevent you from realizing your potential. I think one of the first steps in doing this, this being, you know, stopping the cycle of playing small and uh, in your, I'm going to bring it back to your product management job search, is to embrace your unique value proposition. This is a very producty thing to say, but it's true. You as an individual have a a unique set of skills and experiences that shape the way that you approach solving problems. We often talk about how much uh, ambiguity there is in product, which at times drives me batty, but also I think it gives us great freedom because there's no like one way to be a product manager. That means that there's room for you. There's room for your skill set. There's room for what you bring to the table to solve a problem unlike anyone else that's already on that team. Okay. Take a moment to like identify what your strengths are. Don't kind of not wallow, but I don't want you to to emphasize or place 
uh, or give too much credit to the negative or what you don't have. It's actually what sets you apart from other candidates is the things that you do have that you may not even recognize. So like a little bit of homework, take a moment. I like to time box it. I like to set an alarm for three minutes or four minutes, not long, just to think about a singular thing, maybe brainstorm or jot it on out. So I'm asking you to take three to four minutes just to write down what you think your strengths may be. This will become a part of your your value prop. The next tip is for you to expand your PM toolkit. You know, this field is constantly evolving and employers, especially now, are like valuing candidates who can demonstrate a really versatile skill set. So I want you to seek out opportunities to enhance your knowledge base, whether it's growing in Agile or UX or data analysis or finding opportunities to help with a product strategy on your current role. This does not necessarily mean go create a project that you then develop a website for that becomes a part of your portfolio that, by the way, no one is ever going to look at um, to attempt to show your product management skills. Like at this point, people can see straight through that, right? We want it to be something earnest, right? Something that is real, not the thing that you, um, like the startup you kind of made up just to get the job that you fully abandon once you actually get the job, right? So that's not necessarily what I mean by building your product management toolkit. This does not uh, necessarily mean go out and get another certification. I say that with a bit of an asterisk. I think that there's value in continuing educate education. Like I'm an educator, right? Like I love learning and I love it when others are curious enough to learn new things as well. But let's just say that you are already, you know, a certified scrum master because that's what you thought you wanted to be before you discovered product. And you also have your CSPOs or your certified scrum product owner certification. There's no need to go take um, another boot camp, generally speaking, there's not. Like sometimes you have to pick up your mat and walk. Like you have to pick up the knowledge that you already bring to the table and and use what you have, right? As opposed to continually chasing the same information just with new slides. I know that's not popular opinion, if I'm being honest. Um, but just something I want you to think about. Yes, I want you to expand your toolkit. But at some point, enough is enough. And you don't have to do so obsessively. What obsessively looks like, I mean, I think that's different for everyone. Um, this is what I talk to prospective clients about all the time and help them to, to sort through. But yeah, I mean, growing your knowledge base is important. But it's not something that I want you to do infinitely such that you are not taking action in a way that actually will help you to get the job. Networking is another really crucial aspect of landing a product management job, you know, connecting with professionals in the industry through platforms like LinkedIn or in-person events um, can be really, really helpful. I want you to engage in meaningful conversations. I want you to share your ideas. I want you to be a sponge. I want you to learn. Um, I don't want you to do this to the point that you absolutely burn out. Okay. Very common 
for people to spend, you know, years planning this transition into product, staging it out quarter by quarter. Like this quarter, I'm going to take a, uh, an, a an account of what I have. Okay, well, Q2, I'm going to focus on growing my skill set. Q3, I'm going to continue doing that. I'm going to read these six books. Okay, Q4, I'm going to go to all these meetups and go, you know, run the conference circuit. So next year, I'll actually be ready. Meanwhile, I've helped like 80 people to get in to product in that year that you've taken um, your time, essentially. So yes, I know this is weird because I'm saying this, like, here's the thing that I, you need to do, but here's the limitation. Um, but yeah, I want you to network, but I also don't want you to network so much so that, you know, I go back to check on you because I do that and you're still in the same spot. And what I mean by that is, you know, I build connections with people often, whether they're prospective clients or past clients that, you know, I'm, I'm often curious when I've met you, I am invested in your story, really. You know, what typically happens is on the first call with prospective clients, I get to meet them. They get to share stories with me that hiring managers don't often get the benefit of hearing, right? Because based on however they're presenting themselves or the resume is set up, they're not landing initial interviews. So I get to hear these these narratives that I think are super cool. And immediately I start reworking of like, okay, this is how we can pivot this to be more appealing for this audience, right? So in that process, I get kind of um, attached to, to your success. So even if we've just met on you know a singular call, there may be something that reminds me of you, or um, I may use a software of a company that you used to work at. And I'm like, oh, I wonder whatever happened to them. So I'll find you on LinkedIn and it's been six months or nine months and you're still in that same place. So there's a part of me that's a little bum for that, right? Um, because you've been, not not all the time, but sometimes you've been networking or you've been doing the exact same thing, but not making progress towards the goal. So that's what I wanted to, um, you know, mention, like networking is important, but also there's other things to do that should be a part of your active application process um, if you're looking to make the transition into product. To that end, when it comes to job applications, I do not, I repeat, do not want you to tailor your resume and cover letter to every job description. I know that this flies in the fit in the face of what all the LinkedIn influencers will say or um you know what other you know your your friends who pivoted into product three, four years ago may have said. But the reality is it takes so much time, even with all of the new technology and AI and ML to help you to do so. I get it. Like I can't tell you how many times I've heard, oh, we can just chat GPT, my resume. And like, yes, in some cases, but also let's be honest, it's it's not perfect yet. And while it may save you some time, it is still a ton of time given the frequency of which you will have to do so. Like how many jobs can you apply to if you're tailoring your skill set or tailoring your resume? 
to every job that you do. And also still being honest because I still believe in that, right? Because in this market, you're likely going to have to apply to more roles than you think. It's not just, I can do 15 roles this week and I'm good. No, these companies are getting absolutely overwhelmed with the number of job applications that they're receiving. So I know the thought process is, well, yeah, now I have to stand out with the perfect resume. But here's the deal. We don't know what their search criteria is. It's not always the bullet points on the job description. They may want someone who holds a particular title and has held another particular title in the past. So even if your bullet points are pretty close or almost identical to what the job description calls for, that doesn't necessarily mean that your resume is going to get selected for the job. Therefore, you're you're often wasting your time. For my early career or aspiring product managers, there shouldn't be anything that you are intentionally leaving off of your resume. Like, like think about it. What's the thing that you're adding to your resume and you're like, you know what? I'm actually not going to talk about my A-B testing. It's like, girl, if you don't put that A-B testing that you've done, if you have it on your resume, like why would you ever take it off? My point is we're leading with your best foot forward. So in the sprint program, we talk a lot about leading with your the best version of yourself, your best resume with the skills that are relevant to product highlighted so that you don't have to tweak and tailor your resume because it's already there. It's already there. Okay. Something else that comes to mind relative to playing it small is in, you know, I'm guilty of this. If my friends are listening, you know this to be true. It's not accepting the help that we know that we need. You know, maybe you've been trying to pivot into product for six months or a year and like nothing's clicking. Um, the, The realty is that you're doing yourself a disservice, like a huge disservice by stalling to invest in yourself in the way that you know you need to. And as a coach on this end, it is actually a bit harder. Like I do it all the time. It's just candidly not my favorite work when if I had to choose between a client who is ready to pivot, they're fresh, they haven't been absolutely destroyed by the market and trying to do it on their own um, versus someone who has been trying to do it for six months or nine months and is pessimistic and really like doubting whether they can do it themselves or um, maybe they have been unemployed for a while. So maybe they've waited to the point where they're ex- they've exhausted their severance such that they can't even afford the help that they could have had they invested sooner. Or my personal favorite, waiting to the point where you're absolutely fed up with your job. And like, we know when that point is coming, right? Like we're on the job. We have a moment of like, mm, oh no, this might not be for me. And we like do a little casual search on LinkedIn for a new job. But then we, you know, put on a smiley face, go back the next day, do our job. 
And then time passes and that little thing that started as a slight thought becomes the absolute dread of your day. Like Sundays are incredibly hard. It's supposed to be a day for rest, but suddenly it's a day for stress because you're thinking about Monday and how much you hate it there. And if somebody says the wrong thing, what may happen? And, or maybe even for me, sometimes it was the apathy of like, I need to leave this space before they catch on that I, I'm trying not to curse, but like, I just don't care anymore. Like, let me leave on my own terms before y'all have to fire me because I'm just completely tapped out, right? There's a, there's a lot that happens in between point A and point B. And I'd rather catch you much closer to point A as opposed to when you're at your wit's end. Do I work with people who are at their wit's end? All the time. It just requires a different like style of coaching. Like I've really got to go on my bag um, to help you with mindset and goals and um, choosing a positive mindset, doing the work that's required to make the transition you desire without you know, the unnecessary second guessing of whether you can still do it. So my point is, when we don't accept help, when we know we need it, the need for the help doesn't exactly go away, right? It just kind of compounds in a way. So ultimately, I don't want you to play it small in any area of your life, but as we focus on the podcast, is really related to your product management job search. Um, we've discussed a lot. I've kind of rambled and I really appreciate you for letting me kind of just like go with this. But in essence, I want you to really start thinking about your, your value prop or what makes you unique. I know it is easy to believe all the reasons why you won't ever make the transition. I'm literally asking you to choose the alternate thought, which is why are all the ways that um, the reasons why you would be solid? Why are you the best candidate for the role or for product? Like why? Think through that. Even if it sounds a little quirky at first, I'll help you put it together. Okay. I want you to expand your skill set. I do want you to network strate- strategically, but I also don't want you to do so that you've just learned and network for two years and you're still not a PM. Think about how much salary you have potentially left behind in inaction because you're afraid of actually putting yourself out there and taking the action. Okay. You have the skill set, you have the potential. I'm just here as a coach to help you cross the line. Thank you so much for joining me on this episode of Product Manage Her. If you found this episode helpful, be sure to subscribe and leave a review. And don't forget to share this podcast with others who are aspiring product managers too. Stay tuned for more valuable insights and interviews industry experts and early career product managers. Until next time, keep leveling up and pursuing your product management goals. Thank you for subscribing and listening today. Maybe you've decided that product is your jam, but you don't have a solid plan to do it. 
You want to leverage your hard-earned experience as a project manager or consultant into a product role, but you can't seem to land an interview. Or worse, you're landing interviews but can't seem to advance in them. You've been at it for six months or more and are starting to question whether product is actually even for you. Don't let your experience change the course of your career without fully exploring all of the options available to you. Today's episode is brought to you by my hybrid one-on-one and group coaching program, Sprint. And if you know that it's your time but aren't sure how to make it happen, I'd encourage you to visit blairpresley.com slash Sprint. That's B-L-A-I-R-P-R-E-S-L-E-Y. That's one S. Dot com backslash Sprint, S-P-R-I-N-T. Once you're there, you'll apply to the Sprint program by answering just a handful of questions. And within 20 minutes, you will schedule time on my calendar and you'll complete an assessment. The assessment will enable you to identify both your glows and your grows. So the things that you're already doing that are working in your favor and the elements of your current strategy that may be working against you. Stop guessing where you're going wrong. The assessment will highlight exactly where we need to improve to start getting the traction in your product pivot. Apply to Sprint ASAP. Visit blairpresley.com slash Sprint. And I can't wait to meet you.